Hollywood. Welcome to the city of fame. And what's the thing for Hollywood? Do they have a thing? The city of where your dreams go to die in the gutter. The city. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Uh, city of angels. That's not Los Angeles. It's just Hollywood. It's just Hollywood. What is Hollywood? Is it it a subsection of, of LA? Is it? I think it's a neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. We're not in Hollywood. We're in... This podcast. <laughs> and this podcast is LMNOP. It's a podcast by you and me. Us. For you, the listener. You. A collective you. Mm-hmm. But also the singular you. You, however many there are. You. Exactly. We're LMNOP, the podcast about the best show on television. Stump Town. Stump Town. Stump Town. Why are you sad? Because oh, it only got one season. Yeah, it, didn't. it yeah. was a pretty good show. It was good. And they yeah. left it on a cliffhanger. Just sad. Well, not a cliffhanger, but like a, huh? So. Yeah. And now it's never coming back. It was a great show. Great uh, by representation. Mm-hmm. Um, a great character with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it showed how dirty and gross cops are. Mm-hmm. But we already knew that. Yes. Well, we knew that because we're smart. And we have eyes. <laughs> no, this is not a podcast about Stumptown, as much as we would like to reflect on that show. This is about the best show on television, Elementary. Oh, Elementary on, on CBS. Yes, with, with Johnny Lee Miller. And Lucy Liu. Yes. And Aiden Quinn as Captain Tommy Gregson. That's just the only other name that I remember from the credits. Uh, I want to say Michael Ian Black, but that's not right. That's I think that's a comedian. Uh-huh. I think it is Michael, and I think it is three names. Yeah. Sorry, Marcus. <laughs> Today we're talking about season two, episode nine, on the line. Oh, I like that rhyme. Yeah, it's episode nine on the line. Just got a rhyme. It's pretty fine. Squeeze a lime. It's refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good time. What, what if? What if? What if lime made? Do you think there's a parallel universe where lime made is is more popular than lemonade? Yes, I think in the the world where um, profit is not the main driver because limes are so small. Hmm. So you need so many of them. You need to produce so much to make a good limeade. So somewhere where flavor and interestingness valued over the big and juicy, you could just squeeze them up into a lemonade. <laughs> That's what lemons are. We got lots of lemons on the farm. I love to look at our lemons. They're so large. Has any, have we, how long has it been since we looked at our lemons? My grandpappy discovered lemonade when he gave one of his big old lemons a big old squeeze. Big old squeeze, a big friendly squeeze. It was just like, I'm going to hug my lemon. I always burst. <laughs> then he drank it up. My grandmammy had the idea to put in water and sugar. Can't hug a lime. Can't hug a lime. You can hug a lime. You just have to be more intentional with it. Mm. Like you can hug a lemon. (laughs) (laughs) A large lemon, perhaps. Large lemon. We're not talking about Grandpappy and Grandmammy, though. 
We're talking about elementary. I am your host, Val Flight Cub, a.k.a. Lucas Bunches of Oats, the serial killer. Oh, and I'm the hostess with the mostess, Alec, a.k.a. a nice man. <laughs> I am a nice man. I am a nice man. Nice. So this episode, uh, this episode doesn't have a lot of goofiness in it, I gotta say. It's just very much like a Sherlock Holmes mystery, and he, oh, yeah, hey, killer. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of uh, drama coming from from left field from a from a position you don't hear from very often. The rest of the bullpen. It's a pretty good uh, metaphor got going on there. Bull bullpen is what they call it. The uh, the the police station, right? Bull bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, and then a dugout. Yes, a dugout is a thing. A bullpen is also a thing in baseball. That's where the the pitchers uh, warm up. Is it the bullpen? It's the same pin or pen. It doesn't. It, they're the same. They're they're both. They're the same. Whatever. Whatever. What are you it is. from Tennessee? Pin and pan sound the same to me. Well, fool me once. <laughs> Might be a saying in t- Tennessee as well. Anyway, you're the only ten I see. No, oh, you can't see anything else in here. No. Oh. Yeah, Got I've it. I've lost all peripheral vision, which is worrying. But <laughs> what am I gonna do? See a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we always kind of go back and forth a little bit about like, do we need to give a content warning? Because this is a murder show, so like death is going to happen. But um, content warning for this first scene uh, is uh, somebody committing suicide. So this girl is on a bridge and she's got a gun and the gun is attached to a barbell that's like over the other side of the bridge railing. And she's got a, a cloth around the gun and everything. It's a very complicated uh, contraption she's got going on. Mm-hmm. It's like the, uh, the barbell's connected to the wire. The wire's connected to the gun. The gun's connected to the handkerchief. The handkerchief's connected to the hand. Yeah. yeah. The ha- hand bone's connected to the finger bone. <laughs> Sometimes I just say stuff after you say something, and I'm not, I don't know that I'm adding any detail. You know? Finger bone. You ever think about that? Wow. So... You know, we don't see it, but we hear the gunshot, and then we see the barbell pull the gun into the water. And then um, it's the next day, and Sherlock and Joan are on the scene of, obviously, this crime. Or, I mean, this death. A little late, because they seem to be cleaning up the scene. Mm -hmm. Sherlock's like, hey, I'll move those cones. We gotta preserve our crime scene. Excuse you. Snap, snap. And and, uh, the guy's like, well, I was supposed to. And Captain's like, it's fine, just do your job. And then he's like, thank you for coming, Sherlock. We solved it. And Sherlock's like, huh? What? Where? So the captain says, I invited you here not to solve it, but to get more clues. Because we already know who did it. Because the woman that died called 911 a couple hours before she's... Died. She died. And uh, said, you know, there's this guy chasing me with a gun. I recognize him. Wouldn't it be nice if every murder victim was able to just, like, leave a quick voicemail before they died? You're yeah. like, hey, this is who killed me. Yeah. Wouldn't it be even cooler if somebody had the ability to bring people back to life? For, but only for a minute. For, like, a minute. And was like, who, who killed you? And then he made pies. And then they were like, oh, my God, I'm alive. What's happening? And then they're dead again. And they never give any useful information. No. They always just freak out for a minute. Yeah. That's pushing daisies aside. <laughs> um, so the killer's already been caught, and uh, they just need Sherlock and Joan to find some more clues to shore up their uh, d- their defense. But the guy's already in handcuffs. He's already been taken to the police station. So 
The Great. credits roll. Quick episode. Jill Footlick. <laughs> no. No, there's more to it, of course. We know that, and if we know that, Sherlock's going to figure it out soon. Mm-hmm. Fucking fourth wall breaking abilities. That's what he does. He just watches the tape back. Uh-huh. Flips through the script. Yeah. He's like, ah, figured it out. Yeah. He's like, um, my ex-girlfriend is a really famous actress, so they probably wouldn't hire her just to be killed. She's probably also Moriarty. (laughs) Yeah. So he reads the script and he says, that doesn't make sense. Considering where the woman was when she got shot, he's like, what, the killer like ran up to her and then like squatted in front of her with his back against the railing and like shot her like that. And (laughs) it's a, it's a fantastic visual. It's very funny, yeah. And then Captain is like, well, it makes more sense than a woman shooting herself in the head and then throwing the gun over the, the railing. And he does have a good point, but that's not what happened. No. And as Sherlock points out, he, he goes over to the side of the bridge and he notes that there's new scratch marks um, as if, I don't know, a wire was being pulled down by a dumbbell attached to a gun mm-hmm. and a handkerchief. Mm-hmm. And he says, dredge this, the river at this spot, you'll see it. I'm always so curious as to how you like comb the bottom of a river looking for something like do you send a bunch of divers down with flashlights do you like scoop up all the dirt on the bottom of the riverbed and you know put it through a giant colander i think there's some kind of big comb thing that they uh they drag along the bottom i don't know how it works though i mean because there's gonna be so much stuff just at the bottom Mm mm-hmm you have to drain the river out, <laughs> poke around and look at stuff, and then you put all the water back in. Mm-hmm. You move it to the, the spare river. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and then you scoop it back out. <laughs> so the guy that she identified in her 911 call, the woman who died, is this guy, Lucas Bunch, who she says killed her sister. And the captain is like, you know, people sometimes when you... When their loved one gets killed and they can't find a killer, you know, they just kind of need somebody to be angry at or, you know, grieve at. And so they focus, they fixate on somebody. And he says that's what's what's happened here is, you know, she just was like, Lucas Munch is the guy who did it. He's the only suspect who matters to me. He did it. I'm going to put a PI on him and, uh, you know, all this stuff. But apparently he didn't do it. And he's taking a polygraph about not having killed this woman that's on the that was on the bridge. So the woman on the bridge's name is Samantha Wabash, and her sister's name is Allie Wabash. Sam thinks Lucas Bunch killed Allie. Do you think when they were little, their mom was like, "It's Wabath time"? <laughs> you got a wab Wabash behind both ears. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do think that. So he's going to take a new, he's going to take a polygraph. He apparently took a polygraph the first time, you know, with Ali Wabash, and now he wants to take another one about Samantha Wabash. So Joan and Sherlock are watching this in the, you know, the little observation room next to the interrogation room. And Sherlock says, this is going to be really interesting. We're going to learn nothing new at all. This is going to be as interesting as a night of trivial pursuit. Trivial Pursuit makes me feel dumb. I never I never know anything. Yeah. Trivial Pursuit for Sherlock, though, must be really boring. Because like, it must be like if you played and the questions were like, what color is grass? <laughs> like Green, obviously. Next. Yeah, come on. I thought this was supposed to be a challenge. Yeah. In the 15th century, the Mongols were famous. He's like, in the 15th century, what color was grass? <laughs> Sepia tone, obviously. <laughs> color hadn't been invented yet, so... 
Did they have sepia in the 15th century or was it still just black and white? It's sepia first and then black and white. What? What? But sepia is like faded black and white. Is it? It's like brown. It's just like shades of brown, which is like what happens to black when you leave it out in the sun. I went to color school. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, I'm not a scientist, so I just gotta, I gotta believe you. I guess that's true. So, of course, this guy, Lucas, Lucas Bunch, is like, no, I didn't kill her, and I don't know where my gun is, even though it matches the bullets, because it was stolen a week ago, and I reported the burglary. My home was burglarized. I'm the victim here. Mm-hmm. I was working at the studio last night, mm-hmm. so I couldn't have been on a bridge shooting somebody. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, we learned that they did find the gun on the bottom of the river, attached to a dumbbell and attached to a little towel, so... Mm. So he's like, great, can I leave? And Sherlock runs in and he's like, Lucas, so good to meet you. Um, quick question for you. Did you kill Ali Wabash six years ago? He says, no. And Sherlock's like, no, yeah, of course not. No, no, great. no. Let's shake hands. And he shakes hands with him. And he actually, he shakes the hand that has all of the like little monitor things on it. Um, and he's like, great. Okay, bye-bye. And they go out into the hallway and Belle and Captain and um, Joan are there. And they're like, what? What is it, boy? <laughs> What'd you find? And he's like, the his guy- ta- His tail's wagging. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's trying to be quiet, but mm-hmm. it's, yeah. You could tell he's about to jump up and down. <laughs> he's he's very still, but you hear the- <laughs> Of the tail thudding against the wall. <laughs> exactly. Sherlock is convinced that Lucas Bunch faked the polygraph because after shaking hands with him, Sherlock- detected a, a sea breeze scent on his hand. So either, you know, he put deodorant on there to cheat the polygraph, or he just smells like sea breeze. He just smells nice. Mm. I wish I smelled like sea breeze. Sea breeze. High tide or low tide, though? Oh, oh, you know it's low tide. Mm. <laughs> That's where all the sea critters are mm-hmm. that have come out to say, Hello, it's me. I want to smell like crab. <laughs> and you look like one, too. Hey! <laughs> I know I promise not to tell anybody about your one huge hand. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you! Stop with the foley this episode. <laughs> See, this is what you get when we switch to bi-weekly. We put more, you know. We got props, baby! We got props and audio theatrics. <laughs> So he says, I got bad news for everybody. He Lucas Bunch didn't kill Sam Wabash, but he did kill Abby Wabash, Allie Wabash, because he's a serial killer. A serial killer? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. Fuck. Watch out, Lucky Charms. Boo. Watch out, Lucas Bunch's votes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Sherlock must feel bad, dude. Yeah, he broke up the frame up. Could have worked. And then, whoops, turns out the guy was sucked anyway, so he should have. Now he's going to have to get him. Mm Mm-hmm. Looks like a case for Sherlock Holmes. And the incredible Dr. Watson. So then we get the full intro today again. Feels like a nice treat. (laughs) It was a very long intro when we watched it. Very extended intro of the regular length of the whole Rube Goldberg machine and 20 minutes of the TV being off. (laughs) Both will need to go for a, a you-know-what. Yeah. A W-A-L-K. He can't spell yet. He's three. He's only three. He's not going to learn how to spell till he goes to kindergarten. <laughs> oh, I'm going to miss him during the days. Well, he'll miss you too, but it's part of growing up. 
He'll have a bunch of puppy pals. <laughs> we just can't let him go to dog cop schools like Paw Patrol did. <sighs> Those sellouts. I would never. No, I would never either. My boy is selling weed and that's final. <laughs> You're going to be an entrepreneur, son. <laughs> but when we get back from the intro, it's time to talk to old Tommy G. We're in the principal's office. Principal Gregson. You ever get sent to the principal's office? No. I did once. Sixth grade, after I got caught stealing Sunny D from the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. But you only got caught once. I only got caught once, yeah. Well, I did stop doing it after that. Yeah, but you didn't only start doing it that day. Y- yeah, well, I, I, I would... It was implausible for me to say that I'd never done it before because I was too good at it, right? She was like, you were too smooth. You're a smooth criminal. <laughs> <laughs> No way this was your first time. And I was like, ah, you caught me. But I knew I couldn't pay back. Well, I didn't want to pay back for everything I stole. But I had to give a more plausible answer. So I was like, yeah, I've been doing it all week. As opposed to the real answer, which was... Like the whole year. (laughs) And and this was like, you know, like, you know, June 22nd. (laughs) School has been out for a week. (laughs) Oh, no, we had to make up a lot of snow days. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And I was like, if you're going to keep me here during my summer... I'm, I'm going to keep stealing Sunny D's <laughs> like I did all year. I'm going to either enjoy some uh, sun and vitamin D or some Sunny D on your D-I-M-E. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, when he lived in California, they enjoyed some Sunny Delight for lunch, which is to say they ate their lunch outside. <laughs> and because it was so hot out, the wax milk cartons kind of melted a little bit and the milk always tasted like wax oh yum yum california in the 70s yeah. and the 60s i love drinking wax yum, yum, yum. <laughs> so sherlock and joan are explaining to captain their theory which is that lucas bunch is a serial killer so this is where uh sherlock explains the thing about the deodorant on the hand and joan explains to captain Lucas was biting his tongue at certain points of the interview. And when he did, it shows that he lied about where he was last night. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Why, what's he trying to cover up? Yeah. Said he was at the studio working, but mm-hmm. apparently not. Why are you biting your tongue? Yeah. I was at the baby gap. <laughs> I like to take the baby gap hats and put them on my hands. For my hand puppets. Yeah, you, you know, a serial killer would do something like that. That or dress up like a bunch of little baby dolls. Mm-hmm. Dress them up like the women that he's killed. Oh, yeah. Or like a little sailor and a little, <laughs> yeah, doctor b- baby. Anyway, so they decide they need to get some more information about Ali Wabash's death. Because Sherlock thinks that Samantha was right. And Ali Wabash was killed by Lucas Bunch. So they're going to talk to the the detective who originally caught the case. So this detective first has to fly all the way up from Louisiana, where he's been a sheriff in a small town overrun with vampires. This is a true blood story. It's the actor from True Blood oh. who plays the sheriff. <laughs> okay. He, I, I don't know. I, I watched the whole series, and the only thing I really remember about him is any time he talks about Bill, the first vampire we meet in True Blood, he calls him Vampire Bill. <laughs> Just a rude nickname. He's like, how was lunch with Vampire Bill? Is there another Bill? No. <laughs> <laughs> so 
This detective, Jerry Coventry. Vampire Jerry. Vampire Jerry says, you're barking up the wrong tree. Sam is crazy. And you got a taste of that yesterday. Which, what the fuck, dude? What a disrespectful thing to say about somebody who killed themselves. Yeah, yeah. Excuse you? A real right-off-the-bat way of saying, hey, this guy's a piece of shit. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, we don't like him. So, uh, Sherlock says, well, when someone you love has been killed and the killer hasn't been found, it's a short walk to madness. I can attest. Mm. Once again, he's thinking about before he knew Moriarty was Moriarty. Do you, I mean... God, that's going to be so weird. Do you think, like, Irene is, like, a whole different person in his head? I mean, like, it's got to be, like, for a second, you're like, Irene, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, no, fuck, it's Moriarty, goddamn. Yeah, I think the memories are are intertwined now for him. Yeah. Because he definitely, in previous episodes, like, corrects Joan when she says, like, your old girlfriend, Irene, Mm -hmm. and stuff. But anyway, Detective Coventry explains why Sam thinks that uh, Lucas Bunch is... Ali's killer, and he explains why he does not think that. So Lucas works for a moving company and uh, moved the... Wow, I forgot Sam and Ali's last name. Wabash. Wabash. And moved the Wabash's neighbors. Mm Mm-hmm. Ali went to Sam's house to visit her, knocked on the door, and she didn't have any answer. And she saw Lucas Bunch rolling a, a fridge out of the building. It must have been like an apartment complex or something. And... So she became convinced it was him. But then Detective Coventry is like, but it wasn't him because she left a voicemail to her sister the next day. You can't you can't call your sister if you're missing in a fridge. No, you can't. The service salary. Is- <laughs> Go ahead. The service is terrible in there. We both just tried to say the same thing. Yeah. Also, Vampire Jerry says that he, he talked to, to Bunch and he was polite. Super nice. And passed a polygraph. Mm-hmm. Which we just saw, he can pass it with no problem. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock's like, were you not listening when I said that? And Detective Coventry, vampire detective, is like, <laughs> no, I wasn't listening to you. Goodbye. And he walks out. And Sherlock runs up to him and is like, hey, you're not getting away that easy. I need to know everything that you remember about your old case. However foggy and stupid your memories probably are. Oh, damn. Because <laughs> you have a brain like a little baby's. You're a big baby. A little tiny baby brain. And, and now they're out in the bullpen and everyone's there watching the, the drama unfold. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock's like, listen, now I got to clean up two messes with this case. Mine, which was not letting Sam, you know, frame Lucas Bunch. And yours, which is not catching Lucas Bunch the first time. And being a, a stinky doo-doo head. And the one in my diapy. <laughs> Four messes. Four messes. So. They're about to throw down. And Gregson has to, you know, play umpire. And he's like, hey. Break it up. Knock it off, boys. Mm-hmm. And, and Jerry says, what, you think I don't know how to do my job? And Sherlock basically says, like, I think you know how to do it, but you just don't do it well. He's like, what, you, you think I, I, I don't know how to, uh, you know, catch killers? And Sherlock is just like, motions to everything. <laughs> so yeah, the captain says, ah, oh, break it up, break it up. And then he says the, ca- the classic cop line. All right, show's over. Everybody get back to work. Because everybody in the precinct has been mm-hmm. like, whoa, watching this altercation. Like a schoolyard fight. Mm-hmm. So the captain says, listen, Sherlock and Joan, you guys can work this case, but cut Jerry, Vampire Jerry, but cut Vampire Jelly. <laughs> 
Jerry. Jelly Jelly Baby Vampire Jerry. A wide berth, okay? And they're like, okay. Je- yeah, isn't Joan like, yeah, okay, okay, Captain. Like, I'll, 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 I'll do it. I'll, I'm the good student. I didn't mess up. I'm just friends with the idiot. Yeah, yeah. So Joan and Sherlock go back to the brownstone to work on this Joan and Sherlock style. And hopefully Jerry's not there because that would be the opposite of giving him a wide berth. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, showing up at his home. Right. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he's not their roommate. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Maybe they reconcile. You never know. Maybe he warms up to them. Yeah. He's like, you guys, kind of cool how you, spoilers, they solved the, the mystery. Yeah. Maybe at the end, he's like, it's kind of cool how you solved the mystery. I liked it. Sure, you know, Sherlock could use a, a new Clyde. That's what Jerry would be to him. <laughs> Intellectually nothing but physically <laughs> present. He likes to feed him lettuce. Uh-huh. But Clyde would like it. And Jerry would not. No, Jerry does not like lettuce. No. Does he look like... He looks like a established cop. He doesn't look like somebody that eats lettuce. He would, he would see le- lettuce and, and he would be like, let us throw that in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like the kind of guy that would pick the vegetables off of his hamburger. Yeah. That's a- you with tomatoes. No. Onions. 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 I don't like onions because they give me a headache. Okay. It's not because I'm uncultured. <laughs> Onion likers, please do not interact. <laughs> so... Sherlock is looking at the report that the PI that the sister hired to investigate the other sister's death. He's like, wow, this PI is writing in such simple language and he's so not as cool as me, Sherlock Holmes, who loves to pontificate. Like, this is an amazing report if it was done by a a four-year-old. Yeah, this is an amazing report for me to poop on. He'd also be like, by the way, when I was four, I did a whole case study on... Yeah, it's not like it's hard. And Joan is like, yeah, he probably wrote it so that a layman could understand it. What a shithead. Yeah, what a a jerk. How dare he? So, and Sherlock's like, oh, you probably like this P.I. I bet you like Detective Coventry, too. And she's like, no, I just think that you went too hard on him today, by the way. And Sherlock's like, well... Agree to disagree. Also, in front of everybody? In front of everybody. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, you can have a disagreement with a coworker, pull him aside and be like, hey, maybe next time don't poop on your hand before shaking our client's hand. It's just an idea. I don't want to judge you. It's just a thought of something you might like to do, to think about doing. To, to, to not do, yeah. To not. To not do-do. So they swiftly move topics. Um, Sherlock is like, you know, you should stop looking at that surveillance photo, fit it, footage, fear footage, footage, <laughs> the video, because you're about, you know, the more you look at it, the less you're going to learn from each time you look at it. And Joan is like, I don't know. I just, something is bothering me about her Uggs because she's wearing Uggs in this video. And Sherlock's like, yeah, I know they're ugly, but some people like them. <laughs> It's very understanding of Sherlock, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, I believe he calls it, like, a pox on their streets <laughs> or something, so I don't know. Were people wearing a lot of Uggs at your high school? Oh, yeah. Constantly. We had a couple people wear Crocs as well. Mm. I think the Crocs thing was more out there of a fad, so, like, a couple people who were, like, all friends with each other had them, and they were like, what? They're comfy. With a Croc crew. <laughs> exactly. They said, walk a crocodile in our shoes. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. I liked it. Thanks. I would uh, crocodile in for more. (laughs) Beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Then you hang up the phone saying, see you later. 
Click. And then they get pissed off because mm-hmm. that's not they're crocodiles. Gosh yeah. darn it! Yeah. Cultural differences aside, anyway, Jones says no. It's not that they're ugly. Um, it's that they're really warm because they. I mean, they are. They're a tube of fur. Mm-hmm. I mean, fake fur, but still. And she's like, "This video was taken in July." Yeah, she's wearing a, a tank top and shorts and Uggs and Uggs. Yeah, to look. And she's like, "Does it look like she's favoring her leg?" And even us watching this, we're like, yes, it does, Joan. Why yeah. does it? Why did it take you several times to yeah. notice that? The, the actress is clearly limping. Mm-hmm. And and the UGG, maybe it's just a shadow, but to me, it did look uh, out of shape. Yeah, like she had put her wallet in there. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, life hack, if you used to wear UGGs, stick your wallet in there. Mm. And then if I'm around you and I'm like, oh, I have to crouch to tie my shoe, don't worry about it. I'm not stealing your wallet out of your UGG. <laughs> I'm doing a different thing. I'm tying my shoe. Tying my shoe. Mm-hmm. So Sherlock looks at it for a second and he's like, hmm, yeah, I think she is favoring that leg. Not because she's got a sprain or something, but because there's a bomb. Bomb? Oh my gosh. A b- bomb bomb. A bomb in her leg boot. In her boot. <laughs> <laughs> and Joan is like, oh my God, a bomb. And Sherlock's like, well. This P.I. ransacked Bunch's trash, and he wrote a list of all of the contents of the trash. He was very, you know, methodical about it, actually. And so it's like four receipts crumpled together and one empty orange juice carton and blah, blah, blah. And then um, a one-use condom full of sunscreen. And <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, people put like one little squirt of sunscreen in their condom and then they tie it up and oh, they throw it out oh, for yeah, some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my wife is always doing that. She It's her hobby. Uh-huh. She thinks it's fun. Yeah, she just leaves them. Yeah, in the trash. In the trash. Yeah. A little, little decoration. Yeah, but it's like, she knows I'm going to find it. And right. she says, haha, I pranked you with sunscreen. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> so anyway, the PI has reported that Lucas Bunch had in his trash some gray fondant and pieces of an alarm clock. And Joan is like, oh, so he made a fondant bomb? That is alarming. Oh! But uh, no, he actually, gray fondant is like the sculpy kind of material. Yeah, it looks very much like clay. Looks a lot like... Some C4? Yeah. Various forms of plastique, as he says. I don't know if that's him being fancy or if that's just how you say it, but... but yeah, that is. It's Plas- plastique. It's a, a plastique. explosive material. Plastic explosive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, you know, like, you know, if you woke up attached to this and a, an alarm clock and some wires and the guts of an alarm clock wrapped around a gray square blob, and, you wouldn't question it. Right. And a note saying, go to this pain phone, make a call or the bomb will blow up. Yeah, you would do it. I'm going to make a phone call. You are? Should we pause the podcast? Uh, nope, nope. I, everything is fine here. Um, I'm being treated well. Val gives me food and water every day. <laughs> I get plenty of sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) So they have discovered the bomb ug, the ug bomb. And um, then there's a knock at the door. And Joan goes to the door and she sees who it is. And she goes, "Uh, Sherlock, you better come get this. And who is there but Bunch. 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 Lucas Bunch. Looking extremely normal, doing a Kubrick stare that everyone does when they're (laughs) visiting someone they have been accused of murder by. Yeah, totally normal. And uh, Sherlock is like, oh, Lucas Bunch, great to see you. He's like grabbing a knife from, I don't know, 
the air. He's got it, a little it, knife. It, it was like... Now, I don't know the layout of Sherlock's house exactly, but it, there was some sort of post by the door that had some sort of hidden knife. Mm. It was clearly a, a thought-out, you know, just-in-case of a situation just like this. You never know. This has probably happened before in London. Mm. 221B is covered in knives. <laughs> it's full of knives. And Lucas Bunch says, in a very normal voice, Detective Coventry came by my studio and said that you were suspecting me. I just wanted to come by and clear anything up. And Sherlock's like, oh, Jerry gave you our address? Oh, he told you exactly where we live, huh? Great, cool. We loved, We were just talking about how good Jerry is at his job. That's wicked cool and safe, and we appreciate it. Please, come in, murder suspect number one. So he comes in, and he's like, oh, it's a nice, uh, nice apartment you got here. Sherlock goes, yeah, it's nice. The walls are pretty thin, though, so our blood-curdling screams would be heard from other apartments, but we like it. <laughs> and then, you know, they, they cut to the chase. They're like, we know you cheated the polygraph. Sherlock asks if uh, Bunch would like uh, some ice for his tongue. For his tongue that, he's, that he, I almost said stepped on. <laughs> that he stepped on to beat the polygraph. That he bit. And Bunch says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. I didn't kill anybody. I haven't killed thousands of people. I'm a regular guy. I don't daydream about blood. <laughs> so they're like, you lied when you said you were working. Where were you really? And he was like, no, I was at my studio. I made a bunch of calls on my cell phone. So it'll show that. Is there anything else I can clear up for you guys? And they're like, yeah. Uh, how many people have you serial killed? Get out. Get out of our apartment. Get out of here. You don't live here. You're not Jerry. <laughs> Next episode. And so he goes to leave. And then he says something that people who aren't serial killers say all the time, which is, um, you know, the last person that called me a serial killer was Samantha. Kind of ruined her life. I would hate for the same thing to happen to you. And then he leaves. And it's just like, if that isn't a threat, why the fuck would you say it? <laughs> like, there are some where, like, there are some threats where, it, like, you can kind of get away with it. Like, when gang members are like, it's kind of unsafe on these streets for a cop, man, I'd watch your back. You know, that's not, I mean, that I think you could still get in trouble for that. But, like, you can at least say, like, no, I was just trying to be nice. I was trying to be useful. You can't say the last person that, like, fucking, the last person that crossed me died. I would hate for you, for the same thing to happen to you. Yeah, like nothing suspicious about that. Yeah, very non-creepy thing to wish for someone. So he leaves. So they go back to the police station. I realize the reason that I want to say police office is because they're police officers. Mm. You're right. They, they should be police stationers. <laughs> I just realized, does that mean that postal workers are post officers? <laughs> Those are the only officers I respect. Is postal workers. Mm. Saluting to our boys in blue. <laughs> <laughs> so they go up to Detective Coventry and Sherlock is like, I printed out a list of a bunch of other suspects in active murder cases. Would you like to give them our address as well? And he's like, ah, <laughs> who gives a crap? He didn't do it. And um, Gregson overhears and he's like, did you give are out you, their address to are him? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> the look on his face is like, is this day one? Yeah. This is, I think, they go into Captain's office with him. And so all four of them are there and they're like, 
this is our opening gambit for this meeting. Here's a little list that I made. Yeah, and he's like, he didn't do it, Tommy. And Gregson is just like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Why would you... What does you stand to gain from going to a suspect's house and saying, hey, these people suspect you, by the way, and here's where they live? Yeah. I mean, I mean, even, even if he was innocent, like, don't fucking give anyone my address. Right? <laughs> yeah. I would be mad if one of my coworkers gave... Another one of my coworkers, my address. Yeah. Let alone, you know. And they're like, this is also our number one investigative opportunity is now gone because he knows that we're we're tailing. We know, he knows that we're suspecting him, so we can't tail him without him being really on his guard. So fucking thanks, Jerry. Jerry's always ruining everything. He is. I'm starting to suspect that Jerry's not going to become their roommate. He's got a long way to go on the road to friendship with them. <laughs> but the longest journey start with one step that he's refusing to take. So he's like, whatever, it doesn't matter if we can't follow him now because he didn't do it. And Jonah's like, yes, he did. We found two other victims of his. The other people that investigated him tried to find a pattern, you know, of other victims that went missing, similar to Ali Wabash. but. They couldn't find a pattern because they weren't looking. They were doing the classic TV thing of um, all of his victims are 20 something year old blondes with the blah, blah, blah. And like, that's not how it usually victimology usually actually works. Apparently, I, I only kill people with back tattoos of uh, moths, but they could be any kind of person. Yeah, they just have to be in your area and have a big moth or a little. Would you a little moth anywhere on the back? I'm rethinking my shoulder tattoo now. <laughs> <laughs> Calling up my tattoo is, can you turn it into a butterfly? <laughs> and they found two other victims who went missing because they were in the same area because they were two people that he had moved, like, in his, or moved people in that their building when he was a mover. Always moving around. He's always moving. He's juking and bopping <laughs> and moving. So they found, they've got, you know, they've got two new victim families to talk to. And so Captain is like, okay, you guys investigate this. I hate Jerry now. Um, you guys can look into this, you know, with Belle. And Joan is like, yeah, we'll split up. Um, I'll go with Belle to talk to this one person. Sherlock will talk to these other people. Which is kind of funny because it's like, the reason that they did it this way is so that there's a scene with three people in it. Of, you know, the victim's husband and Joan and Marcus. But in real life, I feel like you really wouldn't put your two emotionally intelligent people in the same group of, like, <laughs> talking to a victim's family. Like, what is sure? I mean, Sherlock is fine, right? He's not, like, a total, like, bull in a china shop when it comes to, like, being nice to people. But I just feel like it would be it would be better to maybe have one of the people that knows how to talk to people. <laughs> with him babysit Sherlock <laughs> yeah it's probably because Joan isn't a fully fledged investigator yet and Marcus has a badge and Sherlock is Sherlock it's probably because Sherlock has been uh, a stinky meanie poopy head and uh, Belle is a, a little ball of joy it's true Joan this is Joan's idea she's like we're gonna split up I'm not gonna hang out with Sherlock right now yeah so we get a scene of Joan and Belle speaking to one of the husbands of one of the missing women so one of the su suspected other victims of Mr. Birch yeah he doesn't really give them any clues or anything um his wife's body was never found and he is sad that's basically all we get from this scene um, and that he's on a chat room for 
support group of other people that have uh, lost family members to Merdera. And then we go to Jerry in a cop bar drinking cop beer. And Captain comes up to him and is like, hey, Jerry, you know that you suck doo-doo? <laughs> you stink like a tuna fish that's rotten? Um, he's like, you were out of line today. And Jerry's like, oh, I was out of line. You were out of line. This whole goddamn department's out of line. <laughs> and Captain is like, you're embarrassing yourself, dude. And Jerry's like, uh, no, you are. Because everybody thinks that you're weird for letting Holmes, you know, run all over this department and, and use it like he's the king of the palace. Castle. Jerry this whole time was just like, I'm rubber, you're glue. Yeah, yeah, basically. He's like, Sherlock's weird and, and I don't like him, but you do and it confuses my caveman brain. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be more important to other cops. Yeah. And Captain is like, Holmes closes cases faster and better than anybody else. I'm not going to just not use him because he's annoying. <laughs> and if he's wrong, then he's wrong. But I want to know he's wrong. <laughs> and then Jerry says, well, everybody thinks you're a joke and I want him off my case. And if you don't take him off my case, I'm going to get a union rep to mm. get him off my case. So there. Yeah. Once again, cop unions doing what all other unions should do. And not, and what cop unions should maybe do slightly less of, which is have a lot of power to allow their people in their union to do whatever they want. Anyway, <laughs> cops should have unions, but so should everyone else. And also, cops maybe don't have that job. You maybe, know, maybe cops shouldn't have unions because cops shouldn't exist. They should be traffic waivers and um, tell people where the library is. We should have like safety officers. Have to wear like bright orange vests. Do you know my mom? So she's a construction supervisor, and uh, she has a jacket that's made out of that yellow reflective material with the reflective stripes. So it's like not just a one of those like not just a a vest. It's a whole. It's like a winter jacket. Nice. Yeah, you know exactly where that woman is. <laughs> but only her top half. Yeah, her legs are her own. It could be anywhere. Yeah, they're her own personal business. So now we are back at the brownstone with Joan and Sherlock. And Sherlock, we don't see him talking to the other family because they also knew nothing. Didn't recognize a bunch. Didn't, you know, have any extra info. Not a whole bunch of info. Not a whole bunch of info. So they're looking at files and stuff, going over evidence. And Sherlock says to Joan, hey, why, do you suggest, why did you suggest earlier that we should split up? You've never suggested that before. Is it because um, I was rude to Detective Coventry again? Like you said, I shouldn't be. And Joan is like, yeah, I was I was a little upset with you with, you know, the way you were treating him. It was unnecessary. And he's like, these people, I don't, I don't care about these people. What, like, why are you so upset about this? And she's like, here's a cartoon that I found on the bulletin board two weeks ago at the police station. And it's the rude Calvin style of peeing on something. Oh no, what so it's, what's it peeing on? It's Joan and Sherlock <gasps> peeing on a New York police badge. Oh no. Mm-hmm. They're so, they're so disrespectful of them. Why would they do that? Well, it's a drawing. It wasn't a depiction of something that really happened. It's just how oh. the police feel about them. Oh. Are you telling me that someone at the police station is cyberbullying Joan and Sherlock using the bulletin board? In real life. It's awful. Yeah. And then Joan says, I know you want to blame Detective Coventry, 
for Lucas Bunch coming here, but it was actually your fault. And Sherlock is like, what? (laughs) And he like comedically like tosses the cartoon behind him, like over his shoulder. (laughs) Like he spilled some salt. He has to throw some cartoon over his shoulder to keep the devil away. And so she says, you're supposed to be this super smart guy and you're supposed to see 10 steps ahead. How did you not see that pissing off the detective that was working on this case before would, you know, backfire in that way? Yeah, you're Sherlock Holmes. You're supposed to see it all. Yeah. And then she says she's especially frustrated with him because she knows that he can be polite. He has a a window of niceness that he seems to be only able to extend to to Joan. Zone of courtesy. Oh, zone of courtesy. Yes. An area of etiquette a a space of patience (laughs) (laughs) and she says you know we don't need to be loved by these people obviously i didn't think that we were going to be but we need to be supported by them like we need their help we need their respect and what would it cost you to be polite to more than just me and sherlock gets really serious at this point because joan is like really scolding him And he gets really serious and he's like, you know, I've worked to find a lot of killers in my life. A lot of them have, you know, each one has a different motive, but usually it's, you know, greed, revenge, anger. Lucas Bunch kills because he needs to. He has a, you know, a a deep-seated pathological... He really, really wants to. He really wants to. And he's killing people he doesn't know because he wants to kill. And he says, I'm going to use all two of my brain cells to solve this case. Yeah. He says, being nice takes attention and effort, which I cannot spare because Lucas Bunch is a serial killer. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, serial killers, I just want to point this out there. If, if you think... You might be a serial killer, and you think you're, like, so much, like, smarter than everyone because you're not getting caught by the cops. You're not smart. You're just random. You're just, like, Penguin XD. Nah. <laughs> You've made this point before when we were talking about the amateur filer. Ah, yes. The profiler. <laughs> also, if you're out there and you think you want to be a serial, serial killer, d- don't. Go to a counselor, perhaps, or... Don't go to a counselor? That's, a te- that's terrible advice, Val. I meant don't do the killing, go to a counselor, yeah. not the other thing. Comma, don't comma. <laughs> so then they get a call from the husband that Joan had talked to, the husband of one of the victims. Presumably dead, but nobody found. Bring, 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 Joan's phone rings. And it's the guy we saw, you know, a couple scenes ago. Exactly. Sad husband, man. And he says this support group chat that he is in, um, when he mentioned in that chat, you know, hey, it's looking up. They might, they might have a guy, you know, could be Lucas Bunch killed my wife. These two incredibly handsome detectives are looking into it. <laughs> and a woman in the group replied that she found that name familiar because Lucas Bunch was her daughter's high school boyfriend. Whoa. And then she, her daughter was murdered. Oh. And she's like, I never suspected Luke had sponge before, but knowing now that, you know, he's a potentially serial killer. Th- th- this could be his first victim. It could be. So Mr. Husband Guy is like, maybe you should talk to her. And they're like, um, heck yeah. So they call her and they're te- they tell her, you know, 
She's like, so you really think that, like, maybe Lucas Bunch did it? And they're like, you know, he's a strong suspect right now. And she's just like, I'm sorry, I'm just overwhelmed. This is really great. It's been so long. I'm Yeah, and they're, they're looking at uh, the daughter's memorial webpage. So, like, you know, clearly it's, yeah. it's sad. Yeah. So she says, I was thinking, I heard that he keeps these women for a period of time before he kills them. I wonder if he took them up to his parents' family lake house up on the whatever. A secluded house? Mm Mm-hmm. And they're like, we got to talk to the the sheriff's department at your, you know, village. (laughs) And she's like, oh, Sheriff Dale, he's a good friend. I'll arrange that for you. Man, they were so lucky that they called this lady. Yeah. Pieces falling into places. Yeah. So she's like, well, I'll meet you tomorrow. You know, me and Dale will take you there. We'll look, all, we'll look into it. So the next day, Sherlock and Joan are at a gas station. The place they're going to meet. Optimal meeting spot. Yeah. You know, you got fuel for your car and for you. Because they get some coffees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, a little gas station snick snacks. Not gas station sushi. Not again. But um, she's late. The mom. She's not there. Uh-oh. And Joan is like, that's weird. She's running late. And Sherlock's like, yeah, it's super weird that a woman who's been looking for answers for years would be, like, casual about the meetup to, you know, potentially find the killer. Yeah, and, and Dale's also not there. So, like, you know, are they together? What what happened? Yeah. So they, they give her a call. And who picks up but Lucas Bunch? Lucas Bunch! Oh, shoot! That's the scary guy we don't oh. like! Well, do we know for sure? Yes. Yes, we do. He's creepy. Yeah, we hate him. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank you for calling the mom house. (laughs) Lucas speaking. And they're like, fuck. And he's like, don't worry. She's fine. I'm not going to do creepy crime stuff. And they're like, goodbye. And they hang up and they call 911 and they rush over to this woman's house. And when they get to her house... The sheriff's department is there and they're talking to the mom on the porch and they go up and they're like, is this Cheryl whoever's house? And the police officer's like, yes, uh, what is this about? And they're like, excuse me. And they just like brush past him and Sherlock's like, Cheryl, I'm Sherlock Holmes. We spoke last night on the phone. And the woman is like, who is this guy? Officer, I don't know who these people are. And Sherlock's like, wait, your voice, it wasn't nearly that sexy on the phone. (laughs) She's like, I've never met these people in my life. And Joan says, um, excuse me, do you have a daughter? She's like, what? No, I don't have any kids. Can you leave now? You're being weird. (laughs) So as Sherlock says, they've been duped. Oh, no. He also shows her the phone and is like, this isn't your number either, is it? And she's like, no. No, what's going on? (laughs) I've been duped. Yeah. He got one over on him. Duped and juped. Duped by Luke. Duped ah. by Luke. He got Luke duped. <laughs> so Sherlock goes to Lucas's studio and Lucas comes in and he sees a big crack in the window and like a brick next to it. And he's like, did you throw a brick in my studio? Like the wall between the, you know, like recording booth and the thing. And Sherlock's like, it wasn't me. I'll take a polygraph to prove it. Oh. <laughs> so Sherlock starts, you know, sort of parlor room, not quite revealing, but, you know, he's revealing some things in a parlor-like room. He's saying, you know, you're not just a serial killer. You're a catfish. 
You like to keep tabs on your victim's families. You love their their pain. You feed off of it. Feed off their misery. Yeah. Like some sort of Stephen King monster. Yeah. You outsider. Or Stephen Wolf. <laughs> the villain from the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. I don't Stephen know if Wolf. he's in the regular one, yeah. too. but He is a little bit, just not with the cool armor. If you want to hear more of me talking about the cool armor in the Snyder Cut, listen to Zero to Zero. We're putting out six episodes about the Snyder Cut because it's six chapters long. And if you want to hear me talk about it, send me $3. And a disposable phone to call you from. (laughs) So Sherlock is like, I know you killed these women and you're a catfish. And Lucas is like, you're a very strange man. Because if, if... he wasn't a serial killer. This would be super weird for Sherlock to say. Mm-hmm. But he is, but so he is. it isn't. And Sherlock's like, I'm not a strange man. I'm an angry man. And I'm going to catch you. And Lucas is like, let me say some things that are very normal that non-serial killers would definitely think about and say. He's like, you know, it's too bad that Sam died. Maybe in those last seconds, she, she thought she knew what Allie was feeling. But what if she was wrong? What if the torture she endured was much, much worse? And he's like salivating. Sherlock's like, hmm. Counterpoint? Punches him in the face. Punch. Punch. Punch, punch. Very satisfying. Yeah, it was nice. Whack. Bonk. And then uh, then he leaves because an employee rushes in, heard the commotion. And it's like, oh my god, Lucas. Imagine being this assistant employee finding out in a couple days what she must find out yeah mm-hmm. yeah so sherlock goes to the captain's office because he punched a suspect and and i guess you're not allowed to do that no you're not you're not allowed to punch suspects you're only allowed to give them the address of people that work for the police department mm-hmm. so sherlock says so i guess he's gonna press charges against me huh and captain's like no it's worse and better he has taken out a restraining order on you and Joan. Oh, showing some restraint there. (laughs) (laughs) What else? And Captain says, you know what this means, right? Like, not only can you not investigate him because you can't get near him, but you're not going to be able to testify on his case now. Anything, any evidence you find or any conclusions you have drawn are going to be totally thrown out. you're You're not part of this case anymore. You can't come anywhere near this case anymore. Goodbye, Sherlock. Go home. Woof. Yeah, it's a fair call. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Yeah. So Sherlock is back at the brownstone. He's got his feet up on an ottoman, and Joan comes over, and he's like, how's your hand? And he's got his hand in a bowl of ice, and it's melting, of course, so he's like, wet. (laughs) And then she's like, let me take a look at it, and she, like, kicks the ottoman. He, like, moves his feet off the ottoman. She kicks it over so she can sit on the ottoman next to him. Mm -hmm. It's like this very fluid little roommate moment. It was a really cute bit of blocking. And she looks at it and she goes, you know, you broke your finger, right? And Sherlock's like, did I? Hmm. <laughs> and he says, you know, I, I, I bet I know what you're thinking. You're mad at me because I, I shouldn't have gone there. I blew my top. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. You're, I shouldn't have blown my top on this guy. And, uh, and Joan says, I think you actually showed a lot of restraint. Not beating him to death. <laughs> Only punching him once. Yeah. Instead of a hundred times. Or how many times was Machine Gun Kelly punched in the chest that he had to cancel his concert? I have no idea. It was 65, I think. 
I didn't know anything about that. Machine Gun Kelly had to cancel a concert one time because he got punched in the chest 65 times. Did Was he in a fight or was he trying to do a Harry Houdini trick? Or? I don't know. I don't know. He got trapped in his punching machine. <laughs> anyway, so she's not mad at him anymore. And then they get a text that says 91011 ABC Street. GF, GFE Street. GFE. No. <laughs> GHI. HIJ Street. Take your time getting there because the police are already there. And if you haven't guessed it, the text is from the same number that the call came from yesterday. So this is Lucas Burnch's number. So they go, and sure enough, there's a crime scene there, and police are investigating it, and Bella's like, who told you that there was a crime, you know, who told you to come here? And they're like, Lucas Bunch. What? Yeah. He's like, we already looked at the phone, it's a burner phone, you know, there's no evidence to be gained from it. But at least you know that it is Lucas that, that sent you that. But then he says, you're off the case. You cannot be here. Uh, There's this missing girl. Her roommate came home and she was gone. And her purse is still here. So she's definitely been taken. And Bella's like, if Bunch texted you the address to this place, you can't be here. And Sherlock is like, hmm, you're absolutely right, Marcus. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Goodbye. (laughs) And he like walks out of the house like super briskly. And Belle isn't like, hey, what did you just steal from this crime scene? Because <laughs> yeah, or, or what are you planning? Or what have you yeah. what have you just done? Because complying is not Sherlock Holmes' MO. No, 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 it is not. So they get out of the uh, house and Joan is like, what? What did you figure out? Because there's no way you would have just left. And he's like, I reached into the missing girl's purse and I stole her hairbrush. We're going to take some hairs from this brush, and we're going to finish the job that Sam Wabash couldn't. We're going to frame Lucas Bunch. Oh, shoot. What? So. Ooh, we're framing a killer. (laughs) So they get back to the brownstone, and Joan is like, can you tell me what this plan is? You wouldn't even talk to me in the taxi. And Sherlock is like, no, I just didn't want to engage in a sotto voce plan of our framing someone in the backseat of a taxi cab. <laughs> like, it's a good point. Nothing looks more suspicious than like, we can't do these guys. The police won't have a case if you do that. Like the taxi driver would definitely be like looking in the rear view like, y'all good? You hear something? He took the taxi driver oath of not talking about anything that happens in the taxi cab. You know who didn't? Whom? Every Lyft driver I've ever had. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so Joan is like, we cannot frame him. We're, there's no way we're going to get away with it. And Sherlock's like, well, I got away with stealing your wallet in the taxi. So here it is back. So clearly, I'm very good at what I do. You know me as being good at solving crimes. I'm also very good at doing them. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes in another universe. Oh, oh, yeah, would be Moriarty. Oh, that's kind of the whole <laughs> thing. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yes. And and she also says that they can't, you know, frame him and and put him away and and just lock him up because he would just shut up. He wouldn't do anything. And he took a girl. He wouldn't. Yeah. Sherlock's plan is we arrest him. And when he's in jail, we make him talk and give us the new victim's location. Yeah. And Joan's thing is like, there's no guarantee that you can make him talk. And even if you do, there's no guarantee it's in time. You know, this victim needs to be fed and watered. And walked twice a day. (laughs) Need sunshine. Yeah. Or vitamin D pills. Probably vitamin D pills. Well, she needs to 
go on a walk so she can pee. Oh. Bucket. <laughs> this is why we don't kidnap people. One, because it's wrong, <laughs> and two, because we'd be terrible at it. Yeah. So Sherlock's like, wait, that's an excellent point. He needs to tend to them. He must be keeping them somewhere where he can do that regularly. I know where he's keeping them. So now we cut to Lucas Bunch's studio where Captain Gregson and Sherlock are there. Ooh. And Lucas is like, what, you're here to bother me again? And Captain's like, only if being arrested bothers you. (laughs) Actually, I love it. (laughs) Then no, we're not. (laughs) So they've got a warrant to look in. Lucas Bunch's storage closet. Mm. And Sherlock is like, you know, I found the plans for this building online or at the library. He's, I don't remember where he says he gets them, but he's like, this place should be a lot bigger than it seems to be from the inside. It it has changed hands many times, but each time the square footage stays the same until you took over and suddenly this space that we're in should extend another 15 feet. Strange shrimp so the police are here the you know the the guys that are played by extras who have you know all the equipment on and have the big battering ram or whatever i i wonder if all of these people are the same like logistically i wonder if like they try to keep these extras consistent just because they have the wardrobe to fit them (laughs) that's a good point I hope that that's what they do, because that would be great. <laughs> That'd be nice. But but Hollywood. <laughs> it's the city of of, uh, of angels. Of the, uh, this, uh, the city of... So the police officers find a hidden uh, door behind this storage closet, like Narnia style, but horrible instead of magical. And Sherlock's like, you know, I was stuck in this binary mode of thinking. Were you lying about being in the studio or were you not? And then I realized you were, you were, tr- tr- you were losing. <laughs> you were truth lying. You, you were, you were, tr- oh yeah, I see why you, you were trying. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. That's why I, yeah. <laughs> so he says, you were here, but you weren't working. You were in your little torture chamber. And so they, they unlock this, you know, this door behind the other door, which is his kidnapping lair. It probably has soundproofing because... He works in a music studio. Oh, yeah. 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 And Sherlock's like, get him out of here. Uh, You know, if we do find people alive in there, they're not going to want to see him. Oh, yeah. Captain's like, great point. Mm -hmm. I like that little bit of characterization of like, hey, he's thinking about the victims. Yeah. And the door does open and a woman comes out and Sherlock's like, it's okay. You're okay now. You know, we're we're here to help you. And she's like, thank you. Can you, you got to help her. And they're like. Her, her. She's like, yeah. She's been in here longer than me. Yeah. So we, so we found the girl that that just went missing. Mm-hmm. And now there's another girl, mm-hmm. another woman who is Mr. Husband Guy's wife. Wow. And he, you know, meets up with Captain um, on the sidewalk, and he's like, "Hi, I'm um, Husband. Is my wife really okay?" And Captain's like, "You know, she's she's a chalk, obviously, but yeah, she's been asking for you." And we get this really nice reunion of like guys just like, oh my God, and sees her in the ambulance. And she's like, damn. And they hug. This is beautiful. It's a really nice reunion moment. Yeah. It's like, sometimes good things happen. <laughs> we got him. We got him. We not only got him, we saved two people from being killed by him. Woo. And then all of the other people that w- he would have killed if he had been uncaught in the future. Which probably... A Lucas Bunch. 
<laughs> so now we get some wrap up. Well, we have two little things to, to wrap up. Firstly is the captain slash consulting detectives storyline. So the captain says, excuse me. Ding, 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 ding. He's got a little champagne glass and a knife and he's ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Everybody gather around. Yeah, so he's talking to everybody in the police station. He's like, some of you, I've heard rumors. Some of you don't like the way that I've been running things. Well, I just want all of you to know that I'm the captain and the resources of the department are mine to use however the frick I feel like it. And if you don't like it, you can lick my butt. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. He's like, from from uh, our consulting detectives to the coffee machine, I can utilize our tools however I want. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's 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 very uh, his style because he's not like, you got to give them a chance. It's, you know, they're really useful and, you know, they might be abrasive, but blah, blah. he's just like, you can suck my ass if you think I'm not going to talk to Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and it also comes down to what he, what he said to uh, um, Detective Vampire Jerry earlier, which is like he like he knows he's in the right doing this because they solve cases. Yeah. They get the job done. So like even if people like went to Captain Tommy's, you know, boss. Mm hmm. Craigson would be like, yeah, bro, look at the numbers. Yeah. Let me get back to work. They might be mildly annoying, but they're not a hindrance. Yeah. Yeah. So now we go to the brownstone. And Sherlock is working on a little dollhouse. A little dollhouse-sized apartment building that's got somebody who... He's he's currently painting blood splatter of a little doll's head on the wall. (laughs) And... We all have our hobbies. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Joan is is there and Sherlock's like, hey, so I've been thinking about what you were saying to me about niceness. And there is a utility in it. There there are positives from being nice. But I need you to know I am not a nice man. There is not a warmer me inside of all of this waiting to be coaxed out. And I'm not going to change. The way that I am is the way that I am, and it has hurt me in the past, but it has also helped me in the past, and it just, it's what it's. <laughs> He's, so he says, you know, that's the way I am, I'm not going to change. And she says, you already have, you're not the guy from the pilot. And he says, yes, but he says, I consider you to be exceptional, so I make an exceptional effort to accommodate you. But I gotta be me. <laughs> and you gotta deal with it. You gotta deal with it. And she's like, nobody can deal with that forever. And he's like, well, you got seven seasons. <laughs> six now. Yeah, six and a half. Five and a half left. I don't know. I know math. <laughs> exactly. Five and a half left. So there we have it. That's the episode. I liked it. I liked this moment at the end. I liked the little dollhouse murder apartment building. Yeah, that was cute. I think that this this episode was a good way to have Sherlock hunting a serial killer. I think there are other times in the future where they're looking for a serial killer and it's just like too much. Mm-hmm. It's like too much TV drama. I liked it too. I, I like the door knife. Door knife. Yeah, we should get one. <laughs> yeah, as if we don't already have three. <laughs> 
I'm just saying we should have one instead of three. <laughs> we should consolidate it into one big door knife. Mm. So that's it for this episode. If you would like to reach out to us via Twitter or send in a question, we're on Twitter at LMNOPcast. LMNOPcast is also our Tumblr. So this week I asked for um, any LMNOP questions, of course, or any Trivial Pursuit stories. So Joe Bulldozer, at The Tallest Jew, has sent in an amazing story. They say, One time I no-scoped a guess for a wedge. Oh, for when you are in the Trivial Pursuit. And you, yep. That Dick Cheney was a politician who had suffered multiple heart attacks, armed only with the knowledge that he had a pacemaker. Another time, I guess that British people call parsley coriander despite knowing and saying out loud that the answer was cilantro because I second-guessed myself. My family was beside themselves listening to me move away from the correct answer. <laughs> Dang it. Parsley? Wait, so parsley and cilantro are the same? No. Oh, cilantro and coriander are the same. Um, I'm going to cut out the back and forth that we just had, but we need you to clarify whether parsley is called cilantro or if cilantro is called coriander because Alec and I just went back and forth on it and are confused and neither answer sounds correct to either of us. So um, please send in a follow-up. You can submit your follow-up, Joe, on the Discord. Anyone listening can join our Discord by clicking on our pinned tweet or the link in our episode descriptions. Come join our uh, cilantro chat. Yeah. Our parsley parlay. Ooh. I believe the link is also on our Noise Space profile where we are hosted. Noisespace.xyz is a home for podcasts such as LMNOP and Zero to Zero and Kyle XY and Nana Roy's Night Marinara, a bunch of other ones. Thank you to Noah Geist for our intro song. And Summer Geist for our pod art. I'm Val Flight Cub. You can find me on Twitter at Flight Cub B. The extra B stands for Twitter. And I'm Alec. If you can find me, send me $3. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. This marble will keep on rolling. Goodbye. Gooby. She's watching the detectives. Ooh, it's so cute. She's watching the detectives.